This guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts on this Takes on Takes Tuesday edition of the show. Kyle, welcome. Good catch there. Yeah. Yeah, almost almost said Wednesday, didn't you? I almost said a lot of different things. So <laughs> All right. Before before we get into takes on takes. Do you know who Logan Paul is? I don't expect you to know who Logan Paul is. I know who Logan Paul is because yesterday I saw a tweet from Andy uh, Antonio Brown saying about something about let's settle this or something. I don't know. And then Did I looked at his – yeah, I clicked on his profile. He looked like a, a very uh, – he had curly hair, some some nice eyes for a man, and I uh, didn't quite know what he did, but he has 5 he's million a, followers. Yeah, he's a YouTuber. Oh, okay. Yeah, good for okay. him. Okay. So did you see his response – no, because it wasn't there when I looked last night, and I would so never a- go back. AB said, square up, Logan Paul. Yeah, okay. And Logan Paul said, I'd drop you faster than the Patriots. Oh, geez. <laughs> so this is going to be a big publicity stint. They're going to fight, and some money's going to be made. Well, Logan Paul has actually done several celebrity boxing matches in the past. He okay. just had one not too long ago. And, like, he's a big dude. And... um He's he's had some success in the boxing ring, and uh, apparently now there's there's even like betting odds on what the match would be. Odd Shark has betting odds for potential boxing match between Logan Paul and Antonio Brown. Logan Paul is a uh, minus two thousand money line favorite, so he he's pretty strong favorite in a potential showdown between the two. I've never seen either either one of them fight, so I don't know. I could I don't know what to tell you. I've never seen uh, either one of them fight either, but I've seen that Logan Paul has won celebrity boxing matches, and I don't know what Antonio Brown is capable of in the boxing ring. But the <laughs> comeback that Logan Paul hit him with was terrific. Yeah, well done, Kyle, Kyle Krabs would have been proud on Twitter for that, right? Or he is. Yes. Proud. Yeah. Yes. All right, so it's takes on takes. The first uh, little bit here are dealing with Tom Brady. Then someone uh, is curious about your work ethic, and then there's a trigger point for me at the end. So we got some fun <laughs> stuff to go through here, huh? Okay, yeah, let's do it. All right, you want the first one or what? Uh, uh, yes, I do want the first one. Okay, doctor, uh, Tom Brady will test free agency and sign with the Cowboys. Boys let Dak walk in the Pats sign. Eli Manning and the Patriot dynasty continues. Mm, no, you lost me with the Eli Manning thing here. Uh, first of all, I think it would be a colossal mistake for the Cowboys to let Dak Prescott walk. Will be interesting to see how they choose to handle that because Jerry, uh, as as willing and and able as he was to extend players to long term deals, he got a lot of dies done. He didn't get Dak done. Uh, but but I think it would be short sighted of the Cowboys to transition from Dak Prescott to Tom Brady because I don't really think that answers any of the problems that this team had in 2019. So I'll disagree with that. Hashtag the doctor is back, <laughs> which is what he tagged on his tweet. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Manuel, uh, 
Grinding the tape was right on Monday's pod. New England is better off building their roster without having to spend their free money on a 43-year-old quarterback unless Brady accepts a team-friendly deal. This situation will turn into a staring contest between Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft. Big disagree. I think that the Patriots have a Super Bowl-caliber defense. They need to build up the offense a little bit. Their best chance to continue competing for Super Bowls is with Tom Brady as their quarterback as long as he wants to play. Tom Brady's earned the right to do that. Tom Brady's always taken below uh, market value deals to play quarterback. I don't see a clear course for there being an upgrade at quarterback for the Patriots. They're picking, what, like 24-25 in the draft. Uh, there's nothing in free agency that's going to be better than Tom Brady at quarterback for the foreseeable future for New England. And there's, I mean, they're not going to get that immediate impact answer that's going to that's going to allow them to capitalize on their Super Bowl caliber defense. To me, it's about the defense. Tom Brady gives you the best chance to rack up more Lombardi trophies. Big disagree from this guy. Joe, let me ask you a question. Yeah. What's the urgency to win a seventh Lombardi trophy? I'd want it. Because I'm I don't, sure you would. It's I'm rare. Sure would. But if you've won six... And you've won all six this millennium. I'm greedy. I'm greedy too, but I'm saying like I, I'm sure the at some point you got to be like, yeah, we're gonna have to make the move, and I don't think they'll get a better time. So I just wanted to yeah, interject. That Tom's there. earned the rights for that to be on his terms. Oh, is this our Jason? No, it's not. I, I I had a note to myself there to let you know this is not our Jason. This is a okay. different Jason. Yeah. We have a TDN Jason, and this yeah. is not him. And thank you for Jason, who uh, allows us to focus on football and not business. So thank you, Jason. Yes. Uh, yes. Jason says, Tom Brady will sign with Tampa Bay. The Patriots will sign Teddy Bridgewater, and both teams will make it to at least their respective championship games in 2020. I got to say, I don't see Tom Brady's arm being of any appeal to Bruce Arians at this point in the game. Tom can handle any offense in the league. I'm, I'm fairly certain of that bit of it. Uh, but with his, his the volume that Bruce is going to have a quarterback throwing, Joe, if we're going to have Tom Brady, whose average depth of completion this year was under six yards, playing a Bruce Arians offense and throw the ball 600 times. Do we think that's going to go well? It <laughs> wouldn't be ideal, sir. So I'm going to pass on that take for that reason and that reason alone. Uh, Bush, the last time Tom Brady or Peyton Manning were not in the Super Bowl was 2012, where the Ravens defeated the 49ers. Seven years later, the same result will bookend that stretch. This is a fun take. When the Ravens beat the 49ers in Super Bowl 54 this year. I don't have a compelling case against it. Sounds good to me. I think it's reasonable. I think the Baltimore Ravens present so many challenges. And uh, I think that – I don't think they faced any of the – like they. I don't think they played any of the teams that they're about to play the rest of the way, and I think that's going to help them continue their momentum. Right? Wouldn't that be the case? They didn't play Tennessee. They haven't played Kansas City this year. No, they played Kansas City, didn't they? Did they? I think they lost to Kansas City oh, early in the year. Really? Okay. All right. Well, maybe that's a bad talking point. I don't know. I think it's a good – It's yeah, certainly reasonable. I think they have a good chance of, of doing that. Uh, Cameron says, in the 2020 NFL draft, the Dolphins will trade up to three to ensure they get Tua, and the Lions will get Okuda at five along, the San- along with some additional draft capital. Yeah, just a quick follow-up. Kansas City hosted Baltimore week three. Okay. And Kansas City won 33-28. 
Uh, Joe, you and I talked about Dolphins trade up to three quite a bit yesterday. Yep. They're going to have plenty of options to get a deal done. And if I'm the Dolphins, the way I handle this is I call the Lions and the Giants and probably Washington, even though it's highly unlikely Washington trades out of two. And I say, if you're going to accept a deal, call us first because we'll beat it. Period. I'm not actively looking to trade up because based on Tua's medicals and players of need and best player available and some of the other talent in the draft, you might not have to jump up to three. But if word starts getting out at Tua's 16 and or 12 and 16 week doctor follow-ups that, yeah, you're looking really good. The hip's healing really well. We feel really good about it. Then the Dolphins will have teams like maybe the L.A. Chargers and maybe the Carolina Panthers, depending on what they do with their quarterback situation and head coaching situation. Those teams are going to start calling Detroit saying, hey, how much is it going to take for us to move up to three and throw Miami? And at that point, Miami will then be prompted to make a deal. And they have all the ammunition in the world to make it happen. The only reason they will not draft to it is because they don't want to pay the price, whatever the price is, whether that's at five or the trade up to three in the third pick. Lions can definitely trade down, still get Jeff Okuda. That's a home run proposition for the Detroit Lions. Or they could take Derek Brown. And I feel like Derek Brown should be there as well. So Detroit is in a really good spot picking with the third pick. Uh, Dion. Oh, no. Dion. (laughs) Baker Mayfield is just Gardner Minshew with better weapons and a bunch of TV commercials. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I disagree here. I think Baker Mayfield's um, a significantly more talented player with better tools across the board, Um, much more advanced reading defenses and throwing the football and you know, Gardner Minshew is a guy who kind of thrives on creating his own chaos. And man, he found some really good opportunities to make some plays and he did some fun things this year. But I think Baker's just a, a significantly more talented, better player, one that I think is capable of being a long term answer for a team at quarterback where Gardner Minshew, I think, will have a lot of peaks. But for the most part, he's going to live in lulls and in situations that are, are bigger than his skill set can overcome, if that makes sense. I, I, I think I'm not on board with this at all. Well, to be fair to Dion, I did compare Minshew's ability to extend plays within the pocket sure. to Baker. Yeah, I don't mind that. So I think there's, you know, there, there's some similarities there from a uh, a superficial level and some of how they find success when they're forced out of the pocket. Uh, but I agree with you generally that that Baker has a better arm. He's more accurate. I trust his ability to be a long-term viable quarterback much more than than what we get with Gardner. Yeah, and in those moments, it's like Baker just has a better arm too, you know, when it comes to yes. to being able to hit those throws under, under duress. Uh, Brad says, in the next five years, we will see a straight-up head coach for head coach trade in the NFL. I got to be honest, I don't see it. I'm going to take the field here. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't seen this one yet, have we? No, and I I'd like to hear from Brad like I know that he challenged us with responding to this, but what makes you Brad believe that this will happen? Is there some type of 
scenario or, or certain coaches that you think mm-hmm. would be in play. I, I'd be interested in knowing what, what kind of motivates this thought. I think I get the next one. You do get the next okay. one uh, from Mark. Uh, as a Bills fan, I am as worried about Tua being in the division as I am Sam Darnold. Both have a chance to be very good to great, but also not immune to never putting it together. Yeah, I think I think as a Bills fan, uh, you should be worried about Tua coming into the division. I think he's a great quarterback prospect, and when you think about Sam Darnold and, and where I'm going to have those two graded, I will have Tua as a much better prospect, a much higher rated prospect coming out than I did Sam Darnold. So, yeah, you get a, a young, talented quarterback like Tua potentially in the division to the Miami Dolphins and how he fits that organization and how he can be the face of a franchise and really impact the locker room and his skill set on top of all that. I mean, I think outside of maybe some some concern over the injuries, I mean, two is the the, the whole package almost. So, um, yeah, I definitely think anytime a, a quarterback of that caliber enters your division, it's it's cause for concern. Um, Dylan says, "Oh man, I wanted to get this one." We oh, you you take this one. I'll take okay. I'll take the all right. Next you two. Give it to me. Dylan said, "If grinding the tape was the general manager for Washington as second fiddle to Ron Rivera." He would last how many years until he got fired? <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of like assuming the worst about Kyle Krabs in this take right here. I can, here's where I think I have, I can speak, I can answer this question because I've been a coworker to Kyle Krabs for a while now. And it's, it would never be a case of work ethic or him not doing everything that he could to compliment Rivera and and try to build a, a roster that can compete. I think Kyle is a good football mind. I would trust him in the position. So I don't I don't have any concerns about Kyle being able to uh, assume that role and, and put everything he has into it. I don't. I mean, I I don't know what the like. Would you and Rivera mesh well? I mean, I think you would probably have a different personality. Obviously, if you were the general manager of the Washington Redskins compared to maybe what people see, you know, you may be mixing it up on Twitter a little bit, little bit with people. So uh, somebody who's a coworker of Kyle Krabs, I can tell you that um, I don't, I wouldn't see that as a, as an Give imminent me a number. Sort of thing. I, Give me a number. The question was how many years? Um, how many years? Yeah. How many years? What kind of weird question is that? Like, how many years how would many you years get fired? How many years until I got fired? Until I got fired. <sighs> Maybe you wouldn't. Like, why would you get fired? Because I miss picks? I don't know. Does Ron, Ron doesn't like me? I mean, that would be my biggest concern. Was Ron doesn't like me? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right in that the, the demeanor, the side of my personality that would come out in a executive position would be very different than the one that's cutting down people with 50 followers on Twitter. Oh, Kyle, see, there it is. <laughs> you just gave the whole gamut right there. That one sentence. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I thought a lot about this tweet since it came in <laughs> existential crisis. I think you got, all right. Th- you give me Von Tell's take here. Good. All right. Not really a thought provoking take this time. Von Tell's beating himself up here with his stuff. Like we, we pumped him up. He gives us great stuff. And now he like, he set himself this high standard and he, in, in, you're, you're talking down your own takes. This is interesting. Uh, but Courtney Davis, he's a wide receiver from Texas A&M will be one of the best wide receivers in this class, despite not going in the first two rounds. I think he has great height, weight, speed, and was a letdown due to Kellen Mond. Great route runner too. Yeah. Tremendous route. Fa- 
route runner, tremendous feet. Uh, I like Courtney a lot. And in an average wide receiver class, Courtney's probably one of the top 10 wide receivers. Not in this. Uh, if I like the team that he goes to, I'm buying this take. But I can't say definitively he'll be one of the best wide receivers from the class without knowing what his personnel and scheme fit is yeah. with the players around him in offense. But I, I like where you're you're going with this take, Vontel. We'll have to revisit this one in May. Uh, I'm do this one too because you went to back to back. From Michael Caesar Ruiz, Caesar Ruiz, he's the Michigan center, is the best center in this draft and will go higher than people think. Caesar Ruiz does need to be talked about more. You're starting to see some of the uh, our colleagues in the the field beginning to talk about Ruiz. And do I think he's the best center in the class? We need to see what Creed Humphrey does. He hasn't declared yet. Tyler Beattis has also not declared is still eligible for another year, but uh, I still like the, I I feel like I get more scheme diversity with Tyler Beattis and Nick Harris is going to have something to say about this before it's all said and done too. So I haven't put Ruiz under the fine microscope yet to fully write his film up yet, but I've seen enough to know that, you know, he checks a lot of the boxes that you're going to get when you think about a center versus a guard and the guy that plays center, what those skills look like and the mobility that he offers in short spaces and he's smart. So uh, I think he's a good player. I think he's got a chance to be a starter in the NFL, but I can't speak at this point in the process to if he's the best, but I know there's some really good interior offensive line slash center prospects. Uh, Hey, Thor. Uh, Joe, this one's for you. Derrick Henry had an amazing game this weekend and has had an amazing season. However, the Titans shouldn't extend him for more than $7.5 million per year. If he asked for more, they should let him hit the market. Yeah, I mean, I'm not paying him Zeke money. Six years, $90 million. That's crazy. Now, I will say this yeah, about... That, that never should have been signed. Well, I, if you look over the terms of the deal, I'm looking over Zeke's contract structure. They have an out after 2022 that they could cut him and uh, save like almost $8 million. And then like 2025, 2026 on his deal are completely like there's no dead cap. Like they've they've set this. This deal is structured in a way that is that they are not quite as stuck with Zeke beyond the next two seasons. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it goes back to the fundament, fundamental um, idea of just like paying running backs and the return on investment and what guys do in their second contract and how there's some anomalies out there. But for the most part, the guys kind of start to get banged up and they're not quite as effective and they're commanding huge portions of your cap space and running backs literally do grow on trees. Like you can kick good running backs all over the place. And so, yeah, there's a value proposition here that I don't like when it comes to paying big money to a running back, especially one like Derrick Henry, where his game is predicated on being that dude, that physical downhill back that's going to challenge guys with physicality he's going to wear down eventually I mean maybe he will be Adrian Peterson and play for a long time but I don't know I take my chances being able to get uh you know more bargain bin type players that can fill that role Joe I have a challenge for you yeah there are six running backs in the NFL with an average per year salary greater than seven and a half million dollars okay can you name them how many are there Six. Jarek McKinnon is seventh in the NFL with an average of seven and a half million dollars per year. Okay. Well, um, 
This is per year is what we're talking? Average per year, yes. Okay, well, I think obviously Zeke. Yes, one. He's tops, is 15 he per year. Okay, Le'Veon Bell. He's three, 13.1. Todd Gurley. Gurley is two, 14.3. So you're halfway there. All the good running backs in my head are all rookies right now. <laughs> um, Leonard Fournette, maybe just because he was such a high pick. Fournette is eighth on the oh. list with 6.8 million. Okay, so then David Johnson has that huge deal. David Johnson is fourth with 13 million per year. Okay, so how many of the top six am I missing? One? You're missing five and six. You've got one, two, three, four, Zeke, Gurley, Bell, and Johnson. And then we've established Jarek McKinnon is seventh on this list and Fournette is eighth on this list. You're missing five and six. Okay, Devonta Freeman. Devonta Freeman is eight and a quarter. He is number five. I think I'm going to, I don't know if I'm making a mistake here, but I'm going to go with my same logic on Leonard Fournette. Saquon Barkley, because he was a number two pick. That is correct. Saquon Barkley's average is 7.8 million per year. So what, what, I mean, you just named a lot of banged up dudes, man. That and the, those are the guys with the premier contracts. I'm sitting here. Duke Johnson's ninth in the NFL and average per year on his contract with 5.2. Mark Ingram's the next good running back at five million a year. You know, Gio Bernard's getting half a million dollars more this year than Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it was, they gave him a weird extension. It's the second, second big money second contract running backs is not a good idea. I think you just proved the point. I mean, the only way you can justify it is if you do like a three-year deal and no running back's going to want to do a three-year deal unless you give them fully guaranteed money and you give them 10 plus million a year. I mean, what, what is, who was one on that list again? Zeke? Zeke. At what? Zeke taught, Zeke is 15. Jesus, man. I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. I can get Devin Singletary hey, in the third round and pay him a 750K, man, or whatever. He's hey, you know, Der- Derrick Henry's going to command 12 plus million a year. He's going to be at least fifth on oh, this list. Yeah, yeah, and that's what he and he deserves it based sure. on what is his play on the field is. Just wouldn't be me giving him the money, right? Because you've got to pay him for what they're going to give you going forward. You're not; it's not your fault, and it's not your responsi- responsibility to pay them for what they've already given when they've a lot of them have already given their best stuff, and that that's the really tough bind that backs get put in. Deion Lewis is not a, not a. Uh, cheap running back either they signed him to four years what 19.8 yeah he's four uh 4.95 million he's 11th highest paid <laughs> running back in the NFL. can't man i can't yeah. on an average per year you can basis. get boston scott man you see this guy down the stretch looked like a pretty tough guy yeah. to bring down to me you know yeah. give me that guy you know then you, then you got alvin kamara making less than a million dollars this year yeah he's i mean alvin cook's making one and a half million dollars this year Nick Chubb's making $1.8 million per year. Draft somebody in the second round. That's what you just told me. Josh Jacobs is making $2.9 million this year or per year. Yeah. None of these guys in the top 15 paid running backs in the NFL. Okay. That was a thorough answer there. Yeah. All right. Is this next one for you here? Uh, it is for me. Is it, and it's is it Dennis? via Jonah. Oh, it's from Dennis. Yes. Is this a tattle take? It is. Okay, so this is a tattle take to Jonah Tolls, colleague of ours at the Draft Network. If you're going to spend a redshirt year, spend it in the NFL, not in your college, talking about Tua's decision whether he declares or not. 
Um, this is from Monday's Locked On College Football. Yeah. Um, makes sense, right? Like, go get paid. The tough part for the Tua decision for me was, is if your hip was in bad shape and you were going to call the NFL's bluff and say, well, I don't want to come back and get hurt, but my hip's not good. And the NFL sees your hip's not good? Yeah. Do, they, do you think they're going to take you? We watched Lyle Collins, who was a, what, top 20 prospect? Yeah. Go completely undrafted because he was named an associate for a homicide like a couple weeks before the draft. Like, wasn't even named a suspect. Nothing. They let him drop. Now, I think the most similar case study that we could think about for Tua specifically is probably Jalen Smith, right? Uh, Jalen Smith got hurt, had the the knee injury with the nerve damage, and you didn't really know if he was going to be able to get back to 100%, but you knew he was a special talent. He ends up falling to the early second round. What about Sam Bradford? With the shoulder? Yeah. I can't. I cannot recall what the narrative on Bradford was in the build-up to the draft, but I can speak definitively and know for a fact that people did not know if Jalen Smith was ever going to play football mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. and Dallas took him in the early second round. So I think that would have been the best case scenario for Tua. Although maybe a team trades up to like thirty-two to get the fifth year. I don't know. So it would it it would have been a big financial risk, and if you have to think about a redshirt year, if you're going to go back to school and you rehabilitate your image and your health, you could be cashing out by the end of your four years or five years on your rookie deal. It could be like five or, or seven. It could be a difference of seven figures. Yeah. So it's not just as simple as oh well go get paid because what's oh go get paid and get paid eight hundred thousand versus <laughs> oh go back for a year and then in two years you're getting paid four million. Yeah. So I think it's a little more complicated than just oh go get paid, but I, I generally agree with with Jonah's perspective there. Uh, Adam Huddle, the last month of the college season is the worst part of NFL draft season with multiple players every year returning to school who you were expecting to enter the NFL draft. Oh, I feel seen with this take <laughs> and potential first round picks for your favorite team. Well, the worst part of the uh, NFL draft season, I guess. Um, it's like that heartbreak of yeah. like, damn, he's going back. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to be really mad about it though. Right. Cause these are individual people with, in unique circumstances in their lives, like, you know, everything, right. It's hard to like, I have a hard time, like, man, I wish that, you know, he didn't do that, but cause there's that human side of it. But yeah, I do think there's a little disappointment, you know, whenever a player goes back and you're like, Oh man, I think he would have been really good for this team or, you know, Sean Wade was probably the guy this year and he was a red shirt sophomore, but he was the guy that I thought, man, his skill set is so perfect and he can make a lot of teams happy. And I think he's going to go in the first round. That was probably the guy for me. Um, but you know, we we seem to get it. You know, Bryce Hall last year was the guy that stood out to me as a disappointment that he wasn't going to be available in the draft. So yeah, I think I think there is some disappointment there, but I I have a hard time with it. You know, it's just because there's that human side that you know we don't always know all the circumstances. Right. I think the maybe the the flip side of this is the most disappointing of the draft year is seeing guys who are like who 
you know, we, we have a, a Slack channel in our company Slack where we put in underclassmen declarations so we can uh, stay up to date on it and update the tracker on the website. And we're like, sometimes we're like, huh? Like, Fake name. Like we already, we already know 30, 35% of these guys don't get drafted every year. And it's like, well, right. there's one of them, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's yeah, too easy, man. Like, like we got, we've got a staff of, of like seven, eight dudes that just watch ball all the time. And if we don't know who you are. That's a problem. You don't, you know? So yeah, that's, I'd say that's the worst part of it. All right. I guess you get this one here. Um, my little tease is that my Thursday lockdown bills episode is entirely dedicated to this topic. <sighs> Uh, and Trey sends this in and he says, after Saturday's debacle, I came to the realization that the 2018 Chicago bears and the 2019 Buffalo bills are the same team. Both had elite defenses Mm. that were both held back by terrible Mm. quarterbacks in the current era of NFL. You have to have a quarterback who can elevate the players around them. Allen and Trubisky can't do that. All right. So a couple that I'm going to compartmentalize because I do not want to upset the mafia. Good, good idea. Are there parallels between the Chicago Bears and the 2019 Buffalo Bills? I think that's reasonable, right? Young quarterback takes a leap in year two, playing elite defense. You make a big jump into the postseason. You have a disappointing exit from the postseason in a game you probably should have. So, like, you can connect enough dots to be like, yeah, they're, they're at least on the same track here based on the trajectory. The question is, what do the 2020 bills look like? Because that's the insult is he's inferring that the 2020 bills are going to mirror the 2019 bills, which is to get completely off the rails and fall back to earth. Are you with me so far? Correct. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think generally speaking, Buffalo will have an easier path to sustain success because the environment they're in, in the AFC East will lend to more wins uh, than Chicago being the third best team in the NFC North. So I think that's something that they have going in their favor. Uh, I think Chicago this year really seemed like regression to the mean, but then like they went all the way the other way too. From a turnovers perspective, you know how many ter- interceptions the Chicago Bears had this year? I don't, but I know it's not as many as they did the year before. <laughs> it was like less than 10. Yeah. And they had like 25 the year before in 2018. So they went from 25 or 27 or whatever the number was to I think it was eight interceptions. They had like almost 20 less interceptions this year. It's a huge difference. I don't know how you can project that to any team for 2020 you can you can look at where they were above the mean and say yeah they'll probably regress in this area but i don't know that you could possibly predict a team is going to experience that kind of dearth of turnovers when they thrived in that area so much in 2018 as chicago did as far as the quarterbacks i'm not willing to put allen and trubisky in the same bucket yet because i expected bitch to be a good player And uh, he looked like a promising player in 2018 and looked like a subpar quarterback in 2019. I expected Josh to be horrible. And Josh this year was not horrible. And he had instances of being quite dynamic. And I'm not going to call him the most polished pocket passer or, or a guy that's got the greatest grasp on timing or spot throws. And he, he still, 
developing in those areas, but at least the arrow's pointing up. And as long as the arrow's pointing up, I think you'd be doing a disservice uh, to do anything to hinder that development. Uh, but as soon as that development gets stagnant mm-hmm. or he levels off or he starts to regress, like you saw with Trubisky, that's when you as a team have to make the decision to say, if he's the guy we think he is, he's not going to shy away if we bring in a veteran quarterback or if we bring in a, a late day two, early day three draft selection to inject a little bit of competition into this quarterback room. Because I saw that firsthand with the Dolphins where they drafted Ryan Tannehill in 2012 and they didn't bring in a single quarterback via the draft until 2016 when they drafted Brandon Dowdy in the seventh round. And that was the point where it was like, well, Tannehill's screwed because they never pushed him to get past the plateau. So as far as both of these teams, Chicago has to make that choice this offseason. If Buffalo sees that in 2020, they'll have to make that choice in the 2021 offseason. But I think they're those paths are still too divergent for us to be able to say those same teams. Extremely reasonable and level-headed answer, Kyle. Um, if I were to interject anything here, I would say that the starting points, when you think about the Bears defense in 18 and the Bills defense in 19, the Bears defense was a lot better than the Bills in 19. And the Bills had a, like an excellent defense, or, or, like one of the best defenses in the league. The Bears had an elite defense, like maybe like a historically great defense. And there was some randomness to to why they were so effective with you know that many interceptions and that much defensive scoring that played into their team's success. So you know I think that if the 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 starting point in terms of where those defenses are is that the Bears were at a much higher st- uh, starting point with a with more random factors. I think that went into them being successful, and then I think when you take the lows of like the worst version of Josh Allen compared to the worst vis- version of Mitch Trubisky. I think you like the worst version of Josh Allen because he can still do things that can transcend some of his own, you know, issues that he has. So, yeah, um, Mitch, when he's bad, he's lost and he he didn't run the ball like he did in 2018 this year either. And that was really confusing because that's one of his best qualities. And that's what Josh almost sometimes falls back too much on. So. Good discussion. I liked how that went. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. I tried to be objective and take the, the teal and uh, orange fan goggles off and, t- and talk about Josh and feel like I did. I you buttered you up there. with the two at take earlier, you know? Well, you know, I just, I, I, I was treating you like Ron Rivera. <laughs> that's what I was doing. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. You're dumb. That's it for us on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, listen, we're going to have some NFL draft prospect discussion coming up here in the next couple days. So you're going to want to come back, hit the subscribe button and visit us every day. We are here Monday through Friday, bringing you all the way through the 2020 NFL draft. No shortage of talking points, no shortage of exciting opportunities for all 32 teams. And we'll get into all of them in the coming months. Thanks as always for listening. We'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.